KBLA Talk 1580. That's all we do. Work, 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 work. Well, that's what we want our electeds to do for us, I would say. She was elected to the California State Senate in just 2022, representing the 28th District. That is Ladera Heights, View Park, Arlington Heights, Arlington Park, Baldwin Hills, Century City, Del Rey, Jefferson Park, and more, including Lamert Park, where we are sitting right now. She spent two decades serving as an educator, labor organizer, and community activist. Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas joins us. Good morning. Good morning, Dominique. Good morning. It's so good to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Um, it is, it's been a busy time for you. I mean, you kind I really feel like you hit the ground running in Sacramento. <laughs> do, do you feel that way? I do. I do. And can you believe it? My one year anniversary in office just happened last week. So it is a whirlwind, um, but what a productive year we had together. Yeah, I mean, I think, you, what is it, uh, one year is a very, very short time to be in any job, but especially in elected office, um, where, you know, seniority and knowing where the bodies are buried is part, <laughs> part, of, uh, <laughs> part of what makes a person effective, right? Um, but yet you have been able to uh, get some stuff done. Absolutely. You know, this this campaign and this uh, uh, role in the Senate is an evolution of movement. It's an evolution, particularly of South L.A. movement with my work uh, organizing low-wage workers, uh, organizing at the Black Workers Center. And all of that life experience and coalition work and fighting for good jobs and opportunity uh, and speaking truth to power all of that uh, um, experience um, really led to us getting a lot of things done in this first year. You know, um, I'm no stranger uh, to fighting for transformative policies because we did it every day in South L.A., uh, particularly standing with uh, black workers in South L.A. who always fought for what they deserve, good jobs, dignity and respect and an opportunity to sustain themselves and their families. And that's the fight that we took to Sacramento. Uh, and glad to say that there are some good colleagues in the Senate, in the Assembly, who want uh, and communities deserve and have been fighting for the same things that I think we found each other. Uh, and and we worked hard to, to get that work done. And, and we convinced, you know, there, there are a lot of... Um, uh, uh, Democrats in our uh, state uh, Senate who um, don't often understand uh, equity, who, mm. who don't understand um, uh, quality work and, and, and how we have to put people over profits, who don't understand why it's important to have a not just climate change and, and, and an environment that sustains life, but also the economy behind that. Um, that prioritizes underrepresented populations. We had to do a lot of explaining, uh, unfortunately, in Sacramento. So uh, the work wasn't easy um, uh, because there are certain values and forces uh, that we know very well in South L.A. Um, that tend to, st to stick with the same M.O., uh, which is about, you know, keeping communities marginalized uh, and securing um all of the 
state and public investments and spoils for the wealthy. Um, but I think we were able to uh, ensure that we protected the progress that the state of California um, had been moving in terms of addressing our homelessness crisis, in terms of making sure that we continue to level the playing field for working families uh, by investing in uh, real wages uh, and holding corporations accountable uh, to m more quality work uh, and um, good job creation uh, and, you know, uh, making sure that there is real health care and food um, subsidies uh, and uh, services uh, that protect our most vulnerable Californians. So I was proud to be a part of that work of protecting progress. Um, and um, we got three bills signed by the governor. Right, you uh, did, which is a big deal. I mean, it, it, you know, those of us who remember Schoolhouse Rock, a lot of bills die. You, you got <laughs> right. You got three of them. You a got lot. three of them signed by the governor. Talk to me. Let's uh, let's break those down. Um, well, uh, there are three bills that are at the intersection of, of economic and racial equity. You know, SB 497, Equal Pay Act and Anti-Retaliation, um, was about making sure that workers who reported labor violations were free of being bullied, harassed, and retaliation. You know, um, I can't tell you how many workers came through the Black Worker Center uh, who had filed discrimination complaints, who had filed wage theft complaints. Uh, and the response from the employer uh, was to either fire them, to cut their hours, to move them hours away from their work location, um, uh, trying to force them to quit. Uh, this is to say that uh, that can no longer happen in the state of California. Uh, and should it happen, um, the assumption is that it is retaliation and the employer will have to prove that it's not. Okay, so um, it, it puts the burden of the proof on them because I mean it it has been illegal, hasn't it, all along to to harass and retaliate against workers. We've seen it as not just you know in everyday workplace interactions, but especially in union organizing. You're seeing it with Starbucks and some of the Amazon employees that are trying to unionize. I, I thought it was already illegal. Well, it is, but it's one of those things that workers. Uh, the burden of proof is damn near impossible. You know, it's almost impossible to 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 prove that intent. Ah. Uh, and so now it's not on the employee. It's not on the worker. The onus is not on the employee to prove that. It is on the employer to prove that they were not doing it. So that's a huge that shift. That's a, yeah, that's a it's huge, a huge shift. shift. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge shift. It, and, and and we know that that will open up because retaliation is all about sending a message to the other workers in right. the workplace. Right. So this means it opens it up. And so when people file, then when justice is done, others will do the same. And that is how we change work culture. That is how we ensure, particularly it, when, we, when we think about black women, for example, one of the leading causes of black women um, leaving the work site is retaliation. And all of the um, um, uh, symptoms that come from that, often uh, high absenteeism, dealing with stress, dealing with, you know, the discrimination, it taking a toll. So we, we know that this has the opportunity to do a lot to change the ways in which workers access their rights and also how they feel in their workplace. Um, so that they can continue to do the work that their family need them to do. So, 
you know, it, we're very proud of that bill. Um, the second bill we're very proud of is, is SB uh, 521. Um, and this was really to say uh, Title IX protections belong to young parenting mothers, lactating mothers, and parenting teens um, who are students. You know, my, my son is an athlete, and when he has a game, there's so many accommodations to help make sure that he takes his test, that he can make up work. Um, but when young mothers are taking care of sick children, they were often penalized in the education system. They were disciplined. Um, they were not given those accommodations. And so, you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, our young parents were able to you know, take care of their sick children, go to their doctor's visits, and particularly those who are in CalWORKs, not see their benefits reduced um, just because they might have missed a class or an assignment caring for their children or caring for themselves um, as young parents. So we are proud to see Title IX uh, adequately accommodate those students, and particularly young women um, who often find themselves in that situation. If anyone, we need to be able to stay in school to keep 100% of their benefits, it's our young parents, our young mothers who are uh, in uh, need of CalWORK support. Uh, so very proud of 521. And then 749 um, is, you know, really a testament of preserving our progress. You know, there, there was a huge movement uh, in 2014 to pass Prop 47 um, to say that mass incarceration um, is, is a crisis and that we need to take every opportunity to empower and support those folks um, who have been burdened with felonies for nonviolent substance abuse disorder-related crimes and to make those misdemeanors once their time was served so that when they came home, they could adequately contribute to our communities and integrate and return as citizens. Um, SB 749, which we got past, you know, at 1 a.m. in the morning, it was a real fight, was really about preserving wow. the process of that streamlined um, uh, uh, opportunity to change uh, those old felonies into uh, misdemeanors. And, you know, it, it took a lot of conversation. And, and as I talk about, you know, we, we have a supermajority in the state legislature, you know, Democrats, um, from across the state, um, very few Republicans. In fact, I think we have only 12 Republicans left in the Senate. Um, but we have a tremendous amount of, of conservative Democrats who don't understand that second chance is critically important to always reducing crime. When folks are able to go to work, when they're able to get those felonies changed to misdemeanors, it increases their opportunity to be assets in a community. And, you know, folks were talking about smash and grab. They were talking about everything under the sun, but the need for real reentry and real rehabilitation opportunities for our communities. Um, but at 1 a.m. in the morning, we were able to get the two-thirds majority that we needed to pass um, this bill in the assembly. And we did it. The Legislative Black Caucus was tremendously helpful um, in supporting me and getting this bill over the finish line. Mm. Um, and so we, we, we preserved um, Prop 47, which had sunsetted in 2022. 
Right, so then that, that extends the opportunity for people to have those felonies reduced to misdemeanors. Uh, you know, I, I'm really impressed that you were able to get that across the finish line at 1 in the morning. I want to hear a little bit more about that, um, that, you know, kind kind of how you did that, because that is at the key of what we the, the, the key of what we were talking about earlier in the show, which is we do have two states. We have a blue and a red state in one, and uh, they may be Democrats, but they're not seeing eye to eye, just as we weren't able to get uh, the, you know, elimination of slavery passed inside our jail system. So you must have said and done some amazing things to make that happen. want to get your take on uh, some of the labor actions that are going on right now. That and more when we come forward with Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas exclusively on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. The conversation continues right now now, now, with Dominique DePrima on First Things First. First. It continues right now with Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas, who's representing the 28th District of Los Angeles. Senator, you you know, you were talking about the 1 a.m. conversations, and it seems so crucial that there's a way that we can get through to those folks, the Joe Mansions of the world, and they might not even be that far to the right. I mean, in California, you've got people that are Democrats that are representing uh, districts that are way more conservative than other people that also call themselves Democrats like yourself. How, what did you say? How did you get through to folks? You know, and, and that's the thing I have to also lift up all of our community members who come to Sacramento and tell their stories, um, really uh, bring the data to life. Uh, one of the things that the governor said when he recently had his debate is that California has no peers, um, that we are a magnificent state. And, and I do see in Sacramento that democracy is at work as we are talking through these issues. And, and quite honestly, there are some, uh, representatives who live in very rural, um, uh, very, uh, um, um, uh, I don't want to say mo- they're not monolithic communities, but definitely homogenous in some respects uh, who have not had deep experiences with the issues that we deal with here in uh, South Central Los Angeles or in an L.A. county. And so the need for us to t- start talking and building relationships early and often to make sure that our communities who come to Sacramento stop in and talk to them just because they're from a rural part of the state doesn't mean that they can't find a point of common ground. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, um, California's economy um, has disparity across the state. When we look at Native American communities, when we look at immigrant communities, um, when we look at some API communities across the state, what we do here in South LA and in LA County, where we talk about uh, economic inequality and the disparity really also speaks to their experiences. So we also give voice to those residents who may not have a voice or organization or large numbers to fight back. So I think we were able to touch some of the leaders who understood, um, you know, particularly in some of the northern parts of the country where we see cannabis farms growing and uh, and where that 
um, economy, which was once one where people went to jail, is now one that wealthy um, uh, folks are growing and, and booming like the cannabis industry, they see the disparities too. And so we, we talked about the prison industrial complex and we talked about, you know, how our, our economy is struggling and why so many of our folks um, are on the outside of opportunity and what does it take to put those most marginalized, those that we have to support the most at the front of the line when there's an opportunity for quality work, an opportunity for real housing, an opportunity uh, to be able to lead the life that they were once in behind because we have given them a real second chance. And it did resonate. Um, and I want to say, you know, one of the leaders uh, uh, we spoke with uh, is a leader who's out in the in the in in the outer reaches of LA County, um, uh, uh, Assembly Member Al Marasucci, and you know he was one of the last votes that came in um, for Prop Forty Seven against a lot of uh, forces. Um, his traditional, more conservative base. Um, he stood up because he understood that reentry is the only way we can build ourselves out of you know, decades of discrimination, overinvestment in the carceral system, uh, and so many folks uh, now victimized um, by the war on the poor, which is, you know, then called the, the war on crime. Um, and so I think we, uh, we, we were able to win those kinds of votes. Um, and also build those kinds of relationships of understanding yeah. and common ground. So SB 749, does it, does it sunset? How long will it keep it those Prop not. 47? It so does not. We removed it. We have removed the sunset. But let's not, we cannot lean back on our laurels here. Okay, no leaning we back. We have to still. pay attention. Congrats, though. Thank you. We have to pay attention because this conversation around crime, even though the stats are lower, even though in L.A. County we are seeing a tremendous, vibrant network of reentry that is working uh, in terms of reducing the, the numbers of crime overall in our community, there is a drumbeat toward rebuilding pieces of the carceral system that we have been working to dismantle. Yeah, there I can see that. There is a beat toward that. And it's the all fentanyl. the smash and grab. It's the smash and grab hype. Because even though those things yes. are happening, the crime rate is still down. People don't want to hear it because they see the footage. So I can definitely see that. I can see a move back towards that law and order rhetoric in some of our more conservative California politicians as well. And I, and I want to say law and order policy that failed. Right. So we can't right, right, repeat right. what doesn't work. We've got to look at new measures. And I think there are some great ideas that are coming from our experts in the field and connecting with policymakers in Sacramento. And I think we can figure out a way to do this differently because if there's anything that South LA understands, uh, it's that prisons is not the solution for these low level types of crimes. Okay, that is not the solution. What is is quality work? What is is quality education? What is is quality wraparound services? Um, in some ways we have to decriminalize deodorant and toothpaste, right? Which is now um, under lock and key and figure out ways that we can make sure that folks can afford the very basic thing, particularly young people, it's particularly young people. These are teenagers. Um, and, and teenagers have always 
You know, we know that frontal lobe is developing and they've always made mistakes, um, but we can't destroy the rest of their lives because of this. So we've yeah. got to think through this process in a way that works. And I think we have, um, and, and we have, you know, in 2024, we have huge elections coming up. Elections matter. And we need to bring more people to the Capitol um, who have, who, who understand the complexities of this issue, of these issues and who understand the failed policies of the nineties um, and can come in and really think creatively about what we need in the 21st century to be able to sustain and build our communities. So, you know, I know there are nine black women, for example, who are running for statewide office in places that we never thought um, uh, women and let alone black women could win. And so it is an exciting time and elections matter. And I just want to say as, if, as, as, if we are not vigilant about keeping our eye on how we move forward, um, we we will be in a situation where we will be creating the same conditions um, that kept our communities um, in crisis. So let's continue to build housing. Let's continue to build reentry. Let's continue to build healthcare for all. Let's continue to make sure we have quality education and we can deal uh, with Prop 13 and the and the disinvestment in our education system. We can only do that by electing. Uh, leaders who understand the complexities of these situations and have a racial and economic equity lens. Okay, we got a minute here till news, traffic, and sports. We'll continue on the other side. You brought up the election, and this is our election post uh, the crazy tape, uh, the scandal, which was a scandal for labor and a scandal for electoral politics, politics a setback for our coalition building. Um, how do you see that playing out in March? We have to know what we know, <laughs> right? We And sometimes things happen, but they happen. My grandmother said, oh, it happens for a reason. And what's done in the dark will come to light. And so I think that is the knowledge that we take into the booth. We cannot vote for any individual that does not see radical solidarity necessary between black and brown communities up and down this state. One thing I know for sure is that California is in a precarious economic situation, not simply because of all of the economic forces in the world, but also because we now have a majority of Californians who are black and brown. And we know historically our communities through covenants, through occupational segregation, through uh, segregated schools, we know why our community is always trying to play catch up. We know it's because of failed policies rooted in racism and discrimination. So we've got to flip California in a way that elevates black and brown communities. And we need each other to fight the dominant narrative, the dominant wealth. Hold that thought. We've got a hard stop here. News, traffic, and sports will continue on the other side with Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas on KBLA Talk 1580. From our heart to your heart. Happy holidays to you and the ones you love from KBLA Talk 1580. 
We're not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. And uh, Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas of the 28th District is my guest. She's also the co-founder of the L.A. Black Worker Center. We always um, have them on our programs. And, you know, their mandate was to increase in access quality jobs and, and re- reduce unemployment employment discrimination, improve the um, quality of work for black workers. And it sounds like uh, you have been able to uh, really turn some of that progressive protest into actual policy, even within your first year, um, notably taking stuff that you heard at the Black Worker Center and translating that into bills that are then uh, signed by the governor. So congratulations on that. I was wondering, and I think we talked about this before you went into office, talked about it with uh, Council Member Elnisa Hernandez and yesterday with Assembly Member Isaac Bryan, how it is for a progressive activist to be on the inside and how can you, you know, work with others and not just say, okay, I'm going to walk out. I'm going to block the freeway. <laughs> I'm going to protest. Well, I think we, we do protest, um, but different methods. And, you know, uh, there in the nonviolent movement, there are 300 some not methods of nonviolence. And and one uh, uh, that we do uh, very often um, is is the consistent and ongoing engagement um, and never uh, giving up and not thinking, you know, there's not one vote that can't be swayed uh, mm. to support mm-hmm. our issue Um and, 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 and I think that's really what it's about. I think about um, the governor uh, uh, midway through session, um, you know, really putting a flag in the state's infrastructure uh, spending and pushing a number of trailer bills and wanting the legislature to just sort of rubber stamp and, and move it forward. And um, myself and Senator Maria Elena DeRosso um, and many of our colleagues in the Senate I said, oh, oh, let's hold up a minute. <laughs> and we started to have, uh, I, I would say, hourly, uh, sometimes by the minute conversations with the administration to say we cannot move infrastructure investments without community benefits. Uh, and so we jointly author, authored uh, SB 150, uh, which was eventually signed by the governor that says on every single um, state project labor agreement, there has to be community benefits like local targeted hiring, uh, like uh, bringing in the most disadvantaged workers and making sure that we are putting um, uh, work quality career pathways and work opportunities um, uh, right at their, at their doorsteps. Um, making sure that we are bringing women and particularly uh, women and black workers and API workers that are severely underrepresented in the infrastructure space um, to have an opportunity uh, to build California. And we were successful. Uh, We also, you know, were able to tie some strings to that that bill uh, that allows us to provide the governor in March with recommendations on how we do this, not just for the construction but for the actual manufacturing of our green uh, tech um, assets that we need to build a climate resilient economy. So, you know, we are going to need the community's help to realize 
those March recommendations and to get them approved by the governor and administration, but also funded. So what this means is that right now with SB 150, we have community benefits agreements and we need to work to define and make sure that these are operationalizable, right? That they are viable in community in terms of implementation, that they reach our folks. Um, But that means if you're building a warehouse to do uh, the manufacturing of, let's say, wind turbine, um, that the building of that plant is done union. Uh, What we're saying is that the actual manufacturing of the turbines should also be done as a high road with labor standards and should have a community benefit that would bring those communities most impacted by climate injustice, most impacted by environmental racism and economic uh, disparities, that we should bring those communities into those new green jobs so that we aren't um, building this 21st century uh, industrial revolution um, by doing what we did in the 20th century revolution, which was saying that black workers and women, um, Native Americans should not apply. Um, yeah. So we, we, we are intentional about that bill, and we're going to need the community's help to make sure as we invest upwards of, you know, $49 billion now, and we know more um, as we look at the Biden administration and we look at the 2024 election and, and what's possible, we want to make sure that those dollars become a real catalyst for our communities that are in crisis. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of disappointing vetoes, uh, a bill that would have given grocery workers uh, who are laid off because of a merger or an acquisition, um, some severance pay, uh, the bill that was meant to make uh, striking workers eligible for unemployment, those uh, both vetoed by the governor. Those, you know, I'm sure there's some other disappointments that you've had uh, along the way. Um, Are those things that, you know, we try again. How do you respond to those those setbacks? We absolutely try again. Uh, I was disappointed that we didn't get a signature from the governor on our bill to ensure that if a grocery store uh, conglomerate decides to merge with another grocery store conglomerate, that the workers should have a safety net in terms of severance pay. Um, it wouldn't have cost the state of California a dime but it would ensure that these fiscal maneuvers don't crush the workers in the process. Um, And this is particularly important for us in Crenshaw Boulevard, where the Albertsons on Crenshaw is our last remaining unionized grocery store in the heart of the Crenshaw district. Um, When Albertsons mergers uh, goes, goes through and we believe uh, it will, that could, um, not just close that grocery store and create a food desert, it also will leave thousands of workers from the warehouse to the cashier um, unemployed potentially with these massive layoffs. So we want to make sure that we go back and we pass that bill. We also lost SB 16 uh, at a time when the Supreme Court is stripping our community of civil rights where DEI policies are now Um, on the table uh, for the courts to decide whether they are constitutional. We need to double down on anti-discrimination protections in the state of Mm -hmm. California. We have to lead the way. We have not done enough. So we're going to bring SB 16 back, which says we need to knit a statewide strategy for anti-discrimination enforcement that protects 
our community, particularly black folks. When you look at L.A. County, the number one group that has experienced hate crimes in our county are black uh, L.A. County residents. So we need to make sure that discrimination is invested in um, and that we have new approaches that better protect workers. So, the you know, the, again, part of, you know, how do you not, you know, shut down the freeway? Uh, one is, you know, uh, like uh, Gandhi said, we're going to be the mosquito in the net uh, in Sacramento as progressives. We are just going to continue to irritate and irritate and, or quote unquote educate and educate and organize and have the conversations and not let these important uh, issues and policies rest because our communities need them and deserve them. Talking with Senator Lilla Smallwood Cuevas. When we come forward, I want to talk to you, Senator, about the reparations piece. Uh, the task force has delivered their recommendations. I've heard from several members of our state legislature, black ones, that you all have some plans in the works to push at least the legislative pieces uh, through the pipeline. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now, right now talking with Senator uh, Smallwood Cuevas. We have something we do around here now, Senator, called... Friedman Fridays. We're really pushing the line on reparations, a comprehensive conversation. All comers welcome, all factions, all thought uh, schools, because mm-hmm. we want to keep this momentum going. It is uh, local, it is national, it is international. California, of course, leading the way with the um, reparations task force. They've put out their report. They've given a bunch of recommendations. Some of those are policy proposals. How do you see um, the potential for progress on those in 2024? I see great potential for progress and uh, really want to shout out the task force for what a powerful tomb of our story in California. Um, You know, it's now the baton is passed to to the Legislative Black Caucus. And our 12 members, uh, the largest caucus um, uh, ever, uh, is committed uh, to making sure that reparations is a priority, not just in 2024, uh, but we know these are major, major policy issues um, that will take us um, uh, some time to move and to win. Uh, And so we see this as a campaign we see this uh, as uh, an inside and out strategy. Uh, we are thrilled to see and thank you, KBLA, for hosting these conversations uh, because it's going to take all of us. And when I say all of us, I, I, I like to call ourselves the new moral majority that says that California uh, must lead the way uh, in terms of repairing the harm um, that slept, uh, reparations uh, represents. Um, it, it is a testament to where we are as a 21st century state uh, to say that the sins of the past, the original sin of the past, needs to be rectified. Uh, and uh, we know that um, when uh, Black communities stand up, um, everyone will benefit from reparations. Uh, everyone will benefit, and certainly uh, California. Uh, we at the caucus um, are certainly planning to introduce our first bills um, in 2024. We actually have a meeting coming up with the administration to start 
our conversations um, about that. And uh, we know that we have got to bring all Californians uh, with us, you know, coming from, from, from the worker rights movement, uh, I, I, I understand wage theft, um, and I understand um, that Black people are owed the longest outstanding wage theft claim uh, that this world has ever seen, uh, and we have to make sure uh, that California uh, gives not just uh, the United States, um, but uh, the globe, uh, countries across the globe, uh, who understand that um, that debt has to be paid? How do we set that standard? And how do we build policies that then can be extracted and moved across this country uh, and across the globe? So we understand um, the importance and significance, the sacred work of reparations. It's not like any other uh, bill process that the state of California has ever seen. And we also know uh, that there is a massive backlash against reparations. Yep. Um, we are seeing the activity of the Supreme Court. So we have to make sure that legally these bills also are bulletproof. So this is complex work. It will take all of us, all of our community members, all of those who believe in justice, um, all of those who understand that when Black folks see uh, justice, that the rest of our country benefits. Uh, and we need to stand together in California on reparations. Yeah, I mean, the, that poll, the UC Berkeley poll, said, you know, most Californians oppose any cash payment. Of course, you're talking about legislative solutions. But uh, th whenever I hear polling like that, alarm bells go off, because I know that a lot of elected officials really don't feel comfortable supporting anything that doesn't poll well because they're thinking about their elections rather than thinking about what is the correct thing to do or the just move. Well, you know, my feeling is we have bailed out the banks. We have bailed out insurance companies. We have, we have bailed out so many financial institutions in this country, um, companies, um, we, in, when automotive, I mean, we have we have bailed out so many um, uh, financial and business interests, and I think we've got to come to the realization that if we begin to invest in repairing harm in communities, that those investments are going to go a long way. So I personally, I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to cash payments. I think what we have to understand is how we do it, and we certainly have to do it in a way uh, that is systemic, um, that is going to be transformational, um, that is going to last uh, and last and last our individual families um, uh, for generations. Um, reparations is a one-time deal. Right. You don't get multiple, you know, right. you're not going to be able to do this again. Right. right in right. 20 years. This is a one shot deal. So we're not going to rush it. We're not going to do it haphazardly. And we're not going to do it without a unified, united front and movement on it. And that is how you win and win big. So I, 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 I want to say, you know, uh, the, the caucus is um, doing 
deep, deep, deep analysis and taking this work uh, one strategic step at a time. Um, and we're calling for you all to be patient, right? Because, you know, inside of this process, you know, there are, will be thousands of folks who will weigh in because that's what the state legislature Absolutely. is. Absolutely. The elected Absolutely. officials, it's all the staff. And so we've got to make sure that we are organizing and moving people in the direction for our communities to win reparations in the way we want to win it. Absolutely. When we come forward, we'll get some final thoughts from Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas, only on KBLA Talk 1580. At KBLA Talk 1580, we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate you. you. Thank you for turning us on this year. Happy holidays. holidays. Wow! Mommy's kissing Santa Claus! This is KBLA Talk 1580, where everybody is somebody and nobody is a stranger. You belong here. And uh, just a few minutes left here, Senator Lola Smallwood-Cuevas. Thank you so much for spending the entire hour with us and talking about all the things. Didn't get to my list of questions, not all of them, so we'll have to do it again soon. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, this these recommendations that you have coming up in March and how you'll need the community to weigh in. How can we help you do what you're trying to do? How can we keep track of these things that are in need of our support? Well, please always visit me at, at our website, sc28.senate.california.gov. Follow me on Instagram at Lola Smallwood Cuevas. Um, stay in touch with our office. We're over on Expo on the campus, uh, right behind the African American Museum. Uh, we also just opened a, a satellite office on Crenshaw above Earl's Grill. Um, stay in touch and track with us. But most importantly, keep doing what we're doing, which is showing up and showing out, speaking our truth, and showing the alternatives and solutions that California needs to consider uh, and adopt. So, you know, I can't say how proud I am of my district. I, I This district is the best district uh, in the state of California. We make L.A. County, L.A. County, and we've done some amazing, you know, work together um, in my role at Rules Committee, we helped to appoint uh, seven uh, local um, South L.A. and Southwest Side folks um, to various state uh, departments. Um, we also, you know, gave out um, almost $30,000 in scholarships to high school students who are going to college to make sure that they had a good step in success. We did it in conjunction with the Women's Caucus. Uh, and the Black Caucus, and we're so proud of that work. Um, we celebrated, you know, our our um, nonprofit of the year, Katula, uh, over uh, off of Slauson, and their beautiful uh, fabrics um, from the motherland and, and beautiful clothier in our community. Me too. We celebrated uh, Michelle Reed with uh, the home care workers. SEIU 2015 is our unsung hero for all of her work in our community documenting and fighting for justice um, for so many. Uh, you know, that's just a little bit of a snippet of all that we we accomplished um, in this in this powerful year. Um, we know this is the beginning of a long relationship uh, between me, uh, this district, and the state capitol. 
And uh, we have much work to do, but we can only do it together. And I want to say thank you, Dominique, for your invitation uh, in 2023, my first year, um, when I didn't know where the bodies or where the bathroom was, for that matter. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. We're really proud of you. And I look forward to talking with you again soon, Senator Lola Smallwood Cuevas. KBLA Talk 1580.